When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday, March 31st, 2017 here on the Patriots Week Podcast. On this episode, we break down the most recent news of the Patriots Week as well go over some of the draft prospects the Patriots might take at defensive end. With that, we welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Setting the Edge and of NFL 1000 on Bleach Report to help us break down that position. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. I am your host, Harris Rubenstein. Go find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clnsfans. And go find us on Twitter at clnsradio. And obviously, go find yours truly at clns underscore sportsteen. Welcome to the show, everybody. Very happy to be back with you on this episode. We have a very fun show ready and set for you guys this week. We will be going over the Richard Sherman rumors. We will be going over the updates on the Malcolm Butler situation. We will be giving you a couple defensive ends to look out for. And then we welcome in one of my favorite guys in all of Twitter, and one of my favorite podcast hosts. His name is Justice Mosqueda. He is the other half of the Setting the Edge podcast, along with Charles McDonald, who we had on last semester. So we are very happy to welcome them on to the show. So moving on very, uh, very early, we're going to get right into this whole Richard Sherman rumor thing. So... There was a rumor going around that teams were interested in trading for Richard Sherman and that the Seahawks were shopping him around just a little bit. However, I didn't really give it much credence. I don't think anyone really did. I don't think anyone assumed that the Seattle Seahawks were ever going to trade Richard Sherman, and we were all correct, and they didn't do it. However, uh, Ian Rappaport reported that, uh, or he tweeted out, excuse me, quote, Before the Patriots signed Gilmore, they were among the teams that inquired. Others did as well. Now, if the Patriots got Richard Sherman, they probably wouldn't have paid Stephon Gilmore. And if they got, if they didn't pay Stephon Gilmore, they probably would have traded, uh, excuse me, they probably would have given that money over to Malcolm Butler. Now, the. Now, this Richard Sherman trade could have been really interesting. Uh, would have been another Revis-esque move where they're just going all in 
for uh, for one year or one or two years, and then uh, just sitting and then trying to rebuild. However, I personally like the Gilmore move better. I think that is better to sign him than to trade for Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's obviously really, really good, but he doesn't really fit what the Patriots do on defense. He runs a very they run a very specific scheme over there in Seattle, and one of the one of the reasons Sherman is so good is because he fits very well into that scheme and can perform up to what they need him to do. I know the Patriots are one of the best teams in the NFL of adapting their systems to other uh, – adapting their system to players instead of the player adapting the system. However, I think it's better that they ended up with Gilmore. He's a better fit for the defense. And also, Richard Sherman doesn't exactly like the Patriots. He doesn't exactly like any NFL team that isn't the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm totally fine with – that trade not happening though probably would have been uh probably would have been pretty fun to see Richard Sherman on the Patriots. Yeah, it would have been pretty fun. All right, so moving on to the most updated news of the week with the Malcolm Butler situation. Uh turns out that not only is it not going to happen that we were it is that we were all silly for thinking that it was going to happen. Sean Payton came out this week and said that he does not foresee the New England Patriots trading for, uh, or excuse me, he does not see the New Orleans Saints trading the number 11 pick for Malcolm Butler, and that is most likely what it was going to take to get him. So that trade is officially off the table unless something crazy happens. We also had Robert Kraft come out this week and say, we don't want to trade him, but uh, it's, hey, you know what, if... um. Uh, excuse me, if they wanted to trade him, obviously they could. They could have gotten something cheap for him. But it's very clear that they want him to play on the tender and want to pay him next year. Uh, You know, I I understand Malcolm Butler being angry, but if they tell him to play a season on the tender and that they'll pay him next season, if you're Malcolm Butler, just use that as a little bit more motivation. Say, all right, let let me play for $4 million so I can play for $7 million next year. I really do think the Patriots would uh, will give him the um, excuse me. I, I really do think that they would uh, be able to work something out next offseason and avoid what has already been a very tumultuous situation uh, that that really neither side really needs or deserves. I think Malcolm Butler's done enough for the team to warrant a new contract. I think the Patriots have enough money to give it to him. It's just a little bit worrying uh, to me that. What if this relationship is completely lost? You know, what if what if it is impossible to just what what if it's impossible to repair this situation? What if Malcolm Butler doesn't want to play for the Pats anymore, and to to a point where if he does get brought back next year, he has a bad season. Obviously, it isn't in his best interest, but I, I really do believe that sports are as much of a mental game as they are a physical one. And if he's going into this uh, season with a very negative connotation about how he doesn't, you know, he he wants to play or he's holding out or something, this, that, and the other, then we're going to obviously have a problem. So we will see what happens uh, with the Malcolm Butler situation as we go on. Obviously, it's probably the most important thing to monitor now from here on to the rest of the offseason. So, with that being said, um, we need to go over some defensive ends, and then we're going to bring in Justice Mosqueda 
to break down who he thinks would be a good pick for the Patriots to pick up in the later rounds. So we're just going to start off. Excuse me. Why? I keep burping and yawning today. Bad. So we're going to talk about a couple of guys here who, if the Patriots were back in the first round, they'd be able to pick. Uh, I really enjoy, uh, I enjoy bringing on the other more expert people to tell us the, uh, excuse me, I like to see the more, uh, the them, them to bring up the more deeper insider kind of guys while I bring up the more bigger name and kind of break down how they would help the Patriots. So that's what we're doing again. So we're going to start with one of my guys who... I don't think I could possibly want him to be on the Patriots more, but he's not. He's probably going to be in the – he'll probably be a top 15 to 20 pick, and that is Hassan Reddick, the uh, crazy 4-5-2 guy. I know I keep bringing him up, but he is technically a defensive end. Uh, He does play more of a Jamie Collins position, but I'd absolutely love if – Hassan Rick was able to play the Patriots. He's an incredible off-the-ball linebacker, great instincts, great playmaker ability. Like I said, he's Jamie Collins 2.0. They're very similar players uh, coming from very similar backgrounds. So I would love Hassan Reddick on this team. Another more probably uh, realistic guy is a guy named Derek Barnett, plays for Tennessee. Uh, he is a very, very, very good defensive end off the side. SEC went to Tennessee. Actually ended up with more sacks inside of the SEC than, excuse me, but the, uh, the, he actually had more sacks in the SEC than Miles Garrett. I keep losing my train of thought today. Uh, than Miles Garrett. And by a considerable amount, almost by 10 to 15. So Derek Barnett is definitely a guy that if he drops out of the first round, the Patriots might try to snatch up. But here's another dude. Uh, we actually had a report about this last week, and I didn't bring him up. Uh, there's a guy for uh, BYU. His name is Harvey Lange. Harvey Lange, uh, 123 tackles, uh, 11.5 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks. He's 6'2", 252. Uh, those stats came from his last two years when he switched from running back to defensive end, outside linebacker. And apparently, if he was in if he was in the draft last year, apparently the Patriots would have taken him in the first round. So, you know, whenever you hear something like that, you'd obviously perk your eyebrows and go, wow, they really like Harvey Lange. But it seems that right now Harvey Lange is a little bit closer to the second, uh, end of the second, earlier third round than anywhere else. So Harvey Lange is a name to look out for. I believe it was SB Nation who reported that um, he was a big deal. So, uh, you know, I love I, I I love to see Harvey Lange on the team. He he's been, he's got had some injury issues, excuse me, uh, from uh, from college. However, he has still been one of the better uh, players that BYU had on their defense the past couple of years. So definitely keep a lookout for Harvey Lange. Keep a lookout for Derek Barnett, and obviously always 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 keep a lookout. For Hassan Reddick. But that's going to be it for me. Let's bring in Justice Mosquera to actually break down the, this position that I really don't know too much about. He knows a ton about it. So let's bring him in. Justice Mosqueda. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, it's time to talk to you about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into action because the madness of March is here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join MyBookie today. I would only recommend a service that's been so good to me and my listeners. That's why I urge you to make your way to MyBookie. You win. They pay fast without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with with their new feature of with their matching your first deposit with a 50 percent bonus use my promo code pats50 to activate the offer visit my bookie today or call 844-900-BETS play win and get paid welcome back into patriots beat is now time for our featured guest segment this week we have a very very interesting guest this week we are very happy to welcome in justice mosqueda the other co-host of setting the edge uh with charles mcdonald also one of the NFL 1,000 graders, I believe. You do 4-3 defensive ends, correct? Yeah, yeah. I just do uh, defensive ends on the NFC, just and, whatever it is, 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. And then, obviously, one of the best guys to follow. Go follow him at J-U-M-U-S-K, uh, M-U-S-Q, excuse me. One of the best Twitter follows for anything involving NFL defense out there. Go follow Justice. So, Justice, let's get right into it. The The Patriots this year are going through kind of a defensive reprieval with everything that's going on with uh, Malcolm Butler and Stephon Gilmore. And then if you look at their defensive line, again, Chris Long is now gone, as is Jabal Sheard. They need some defensive ends. They only have a pick in the third round. Can you give me a couple guys who you think could fit in with their defense really well? Down in the third round, I think, you know, if you, if you want to uh... – if you want to go down like the little whole uh, Trey Flowers uh, road, uh, Arkansas has got a guy, Dietrich Wise, who I think is really similar to him. Um, not super athletic, but like just hustle, effort, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, he kind of got put in a weird spot because this past year, uh, coming into this year, a lot of people thought he was going to be a top 100 pick, but um, he ended up getting bumped out for another prospect in this class, Jeremiah Ledbetter. Um, but better used to play defensive tackle. He got kicked out to end, and then basically Wise came off the bench. But he was still really efficient coming off the bench. Um, the problem is he just his his uh, I guess you'd say his workload like dropped down a little bit. But mm-hmm. he went down to uh, he went down to the Shrine Game, and he just blew up the Shrine Game. Was like the MVP of all that. Um, just clearly like a man amongst boys, you know, down there. So he's got to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know if Derek Rivers is going to end up sticking there. The kid out of Youngstown State, uh, he set Youngstown State records, uh, coached up by Bo Pelini, who, you know, coached like, uh, prospects like mm-hmm. Randy Gregory, et cetera, at, at Nebraska. Um, really, Derek Rivers, like, he does everything well. Like, he, he checks every single box. Like, massive production in college, um, on a winning team, right? All sorts of stuff like that. Uh, he plays a run game really well. He plays with his hands above his eyes all the time. Uh, a gifted pass rusher, obviously. I mean, you can't get all those sacks without being a half decent pass rusher, at least. Mm-hmm. And then he tested crazy. He tested crazy at the combine. 
um, at the Senior Bowl. He was probably the most consistent pass rusher of anyone that I saw. And I just stay and focus on defensive linemen and offensive linemen the entire time. So, you know, that, that's the funny thing about the Senior Bowl is people will be like, they'll talk about and like write an update on every single player who was at the senior bowl. And I'm trying to figure out how the hell they have that many set of eyes. So like, I just stick with <laughs> offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Cause I'm like, if I miss a rep, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. But people will see one, one pass rushing rep from a guy and then they'll claim that he had a good week. And I'm like, Oh, huh. I must've missed the other 80. <laughs> I, I find it so strange on draft Twitter that, uh, most people, I think this kind of started with Josh Norris and Trey Turner a couple of years ago, but every draft person has one guy now, and whenever that one guy goes crazy, they're like, thank you, thank you, I knew from the beginning that was all mine. Yeah, draft Twitter, draft Twitter definitely, they call them like firsters, right? Yeah, firsters. Are like, yeah, first, the firsters, and then... Yeah, they'll 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 claim them. They get they get really attached to people that they don't know. It's kind of odd. Yeah, it's 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 a little strange. I don't. I'm I'm worried that Charles is gonna get like that with Jaleel Johnson, but I'm, we're 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 trying to keep him down a little bit. See the the, the thing is, we've met Jaleel at least. Like we have Jaleel's email, all sorts of stuff like that. We got his email when we were down at the Senior Bowl, talked to him a bit. Uh, Jaleel Johnson's got a, like an AOL email account though so if you want to red flag him <laughs> for that like he's like iowa is still in like the 1990s apparently 1990s what aol accounts so moving on a little bit here um the the patriots also in the past couple of years have prioritized pass rushers who not only can do it off of the edge but can also do it from the interior and trey flowers like we keep bringing up is probably the perfect example of that a guy who might even be a better interior pass rusher than he is off the edge. Is there a guy this year that excels at stuff from the B or C gap rather than right off the edge all the way outside? I think the guy that you really want to point to probably is Demarcus Walker. Demarcus mm-hmm. Walker was a guy who some people thought was like a first-round pick. Um, and then he's from Florida State, by the way. Um, and you, you dig deeper into his film, and there's just no way that he's going to be a consistent pass rusher on the outside. Like, really, if you want to, if you want to talk about it, like, he's, he's probably a 280 pound guy who's a pass rushing specialist. Um, when he was lined up at the, on the edge, Evan Ingram, who after putting on weight this offseason was still like a 230 pound, uh, tight end mm-hmm. for Ole Miss, he was blocking him 10 yards down the field, like, no exaggeration. So he's basically getting blocked by a slot receiver, right, at 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So you're thinking, okay, if he can't hold up on the edge, he's not going to hold up inside. Uh, the problem is he's not athletic enough on the edge to be able to be a three-down pass rusher. So you're like, okay, well, what do you do? It's like, well, on, you know, on long and late downs, you're going to be able to shoot through, you know, you're going to be able to shoot through the B-gap. And that's totally fine, but that's kind of a role that's really specific because I think – Demarcus Walker can be totally fine. He could be an interior pass rusher. The only issue is, like, you can't have him on your two deep. Like, he he's like, you're gonna need some depth up top. Like, maybe it's like a high. Like, you maybe maybe it's the Trey Flowers guy, right? Who can kind of play inside, outside. You know, three downs if you need to. Who like, if you have that swing player, that opens up a roster spot, and that's when you could bring in a third down specialist under tackle, right? Uh, but Demarcus Walker for sure is a guy who. He thrives in that role. The only problem is he's only good at that role. 
Very nice. It per- sounds like a perfect kind of guy that the Patriots like to go after. He sounds pretty similar to Lawrence Guy, who they just picked up, actually. Yeah, he, he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of like that. He's a little lighter in the pants, but I think yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good example. Lighter in the pants, another another fun little uh, fun little thing there. So one more thing before um, before we move on to just your guys in general, just with uh, Patriots guys. Another kind of person that they really like to pick up is someone a little bit more Jamie Collins style, a guy who's a little bit more stand up but can still rush the passer a little bit more. I guess Melvin Melvin Ingram esque or Whitney Merciless esque. Is there a guy that you think could fit the Patriots that's a little more like that? Yeah, um, if we're talking about a mid round guy, right? Because yeah. they're not going to be picking on the first round. Um, Unfortunately, now that more... number eleven is off the table. Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the more interesting prospects in this class, just because of how how little he's been talked about, is Vince Beagle from uh, Wisconsin. So. If you look at Vince Beagle's numbers and T.J. Watt's numbers uh, at the combine, they're really not that different. If you look at Vince Beagle's numbers and Clay Matthews' numbers, they're basically a spitting image of each other, which is kind of amazing. Um, Vince Beagle was like he's like he he very much has the same narrative as Clay Matthews coming out. You know, he comes from a football family. I think his dad's in like the Wisconsin Coaching Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very much like a he, he was like the team captain, all sorts of stuff. Like you listen to him talk and he talks like a damn quarterback. You know what I mean? Um, he, he was a, from, I, I have access to uh, college football focuses uh, numbers through Bleacher Report. And I can tell you that on a personal basis, he's a more productive pass rusher than TJ Watt. Wow. Um, you watch him, you watch him on film and that shows up. Like he, he, he a thousand percent translates more as a, you know, on the ball player than TJ Watt does. I think TJ Watt's going to end up having to play off the ball. Um, and I think he could be great at playing off the ball. I just don't think he's a pass rusher. Do you think TJ Watt is considered, uh, do you think TJ Watt is considered to be a really good player because of his last name? Because whenever I watched him play, I was never blown away. He kind of reminds me of Clay Matthews' younger brother. Like, oh, he's yeah. kind of good. Well, the thing is he has the production too, which can kind of get tricky because that's, that's the same thing. It's like, sacks in college can be so tricky because a lot of it's effort where in the NFL, it's a lot of talent based, right? Which is why I think I don't even really look at sack numbers because sack numbers will lie to you because a sack can happen five seconds into a play. That's not happening in the NFL, right? Right. Uh, You're not having these, you know, you're not playing Nebraska and Tommy Armstrong is not running around in the backfield on Sundays. Um, But what I think does matter is tackles for losses. Because tackles for losses, I've never seen a tackle for loss happen five seconds into a play. Like if you're talking about explosion traits like that, if you're trying to talk about a stat that'll quantify that, I think tackles for losses is a lot more important for college pass rushers mm-hmm. than than sacks. But like I said, um, Vince Beagle, he he's like he checks off the athletic benches, right? Um, he's more he's more he's more productive on a person snap basis than his teammate, who's talked about as a potential first rounder. Um, who basically, you know, he, he's got a good head on his shoulders, everything. He translates better to the NFL than, than what I think. Um, he's definitely a guy who I can see playing off the ball because I think he's only like 243 pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I see, I could see, I could see a role where he could play like as a Sam backer. Um, but I really do think that he has potential as a pass rusher. If a team wants to go into like a, you know, if they want three guys in three point stances and they want to have a, like a drop down standing edge rusher, I think he could totally fit that role too. So I got to know, Justice, before we uh, let you go here. 
we talked about how every draft person has a guy. Who who is your guy? Oh man, um, I think it's Deshaun Deshaun Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser, the I, truther. Yeah, yeah, he's he's my he's my quarterback, man. I'll ride with him. The <laughs> thing is, okay, the thing is, if you watch Deshaun Kaiser, okay. His accuracy is a bit of an issue, but it's not. I mean, people are trying to make it sound like he's Christian Hackenberg, and he's not that. No, he's you know not. what I mean? Like, he's, he's not airballing those type of passes. Um, when you watch him go through his progressions, he's never wrong. He's literally never wrong. Um, you can say what you want about his accuracy down low, but he's never wrong about his progression. Like, you, you can watch Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson is kind of a gamer about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it seems like he legitimately does understand the construct of his offense, but he doesn't right. follow it all the time. Like, I, I could tell you that there's, like, several times in the Alabama game where he just, like, he had the read to throw the inside slant on a double slant, and he just went outside because he just trusted Mike Williams and was just like, no, I'm just, like, that's my go-to guy, so I'm just going to give him the ball. <laughs> um, and you watch Deshaun Kaiser, like, the, he's basically a robot. You know what I mean? And I think that's really important in the NFL. You have to have process because you're, you know, you're the difference between Mike Williams and, you know, your typical ACC receiver. You're not, you're never going to have that in the uh, ACC cornerback. You're never going to have that in the NFL. Um, I think Deshaun Kaiser is the most in the red zone. I trust him more than anyone else in this draft class. Uh, I think if you look at his best passes, uh, people make it sound like he kind of fell off, like, a lot this this past year and kind, that's kind of like he's he's been more inconsistent but he flashes every single game i so. mean the whole oh. notre dame team was was just bad last year i think people see their right. record they see how bad the team was and they think oh kaiser must have been bad it was his fault right and the funny thing is okay so there's this narrative about so i was a guy who i, I thought kaiser was going to be qb1 coming into the season too, right? When people were saying that he might not even be a starter. And I was like, you guys are ridiculous. You guys don't even understand what you guys are saying. And now the narrative is, what has Kaiser, Kaiser is not a winner. He's never won. Like he didn't take a team to 10 wins in a Fiesta Bowl when he was a freshman. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that, that team almost upset Clemson if it wasn't for like a little pick play. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then what was the other thing? I was facing out for a second. <laughs> uh, there's an oh yeah, yeah yeah. So people are saying yeah he had a he had a better he had a better year his freshman year than his sophomore year. And my question is like okay well like he's mocked as like a potential first round second round type of guy right now. Why wasn't anyone mocking him as a you know there, there was literally no hype on Deshaun Kaiser outside <laughs> of like five dudes who were actually watching these games on draft Twitter. Yeah he he is I I don't understand how a Notre Dame quarterback. It just doesn't get a lot of press. Like, obviously, he's getting attention because he will most likely be a first-round pick. But now, all of a sudden, we're seeing, like, reports that Davis Webb might get drafted before him. Like, I don't hey, get man, it. Hey, tra- the man, NFL, the NFL falls for that trick every year. Every year. Davis Webb. Ugh. Blech. Get No way. No thank you. Disgusting. No. See, my, my, whole, thing, my whole thing with some guys, I coach high school ball, right? Okay. And I'm like, huh. His issue is like underneath accuracy, but he can find where he needs to put the ball and he makes amazing plays deep. And I'm like, if I've taught a 14 year old how to polish up the issues that Deshaun Kaiser has that's keeping him away from being the first overall pick in this class, I'd take my chance at him. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree on that one. And you also just look at the other QBs in the draft. I mean, 
I don't like Mitch Trubinsky. I don't really, you know, I'm obviously a big fan of Deshaun Watson, but I mean, after uh, uh, Kaiser and Watson, maybe Mahomes from Texas Tech, maybe. Yeah, see, Mahomes, Mahomes is Mahomes is a little. Yeah, I, I have Kaiser, Kaiser and Watson are my top two tiers, and then I have Trubisky. Trubisky reminds me a lot of Cutler. I think that's pretty much yeah. what he's going to be. I, I, I'd like him a lot more if he were like paired up with a guy like Cooter or a guy like Gase, right mm-hmm. down in uh, down in Miami, right. where those guys, those guys basically they turned uh, yeah they turned high variance quarterbacks and managed them on early downs and then just kind of unleashed them on third down when they got off tempo. So I, I kind of like the idea there, but I mean you can't really pick. I can't pick Trubisky's spot. I mean, I wish I could, but that's just not going to happen. And then Mahomes, I just don't like, I see all the talent, but like, he's not even close to like what Derek Carr was. And Derek Carr was a second round pick. So I, I don't know what the hell to do with that. Davis Webb, I'm not even sure he's draftable. I, I, I Davis Webb to me is the next Jake Locker. He's just going to be a guy that gets overdrafted. People put their hopes and dreams on him and he's just bad. Yeah. Poor Cleveland. Or Cleveland. All right, Justice, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Can't tell you what it's like for a fan to have both ends of Setting the Edge come on the Patriots Z podcast. But thank you. Please keep it up. And do, I'll do it for you. Everyone go rate, review, and subscribe to Setting the Edge. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so I'll do a little press for you guys. Thanks for joining us, Justice. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much, man. Have a good one. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I know that me personally, when I was living in a college dorm, I used Blue Apron in order to get my fresh ingredients so that me and my roommate Jack could cook up some nice meals, maybe some fresh steaks, maybe some good chili, some quality stuff. And it's also a very fun holiday gift, so maybe for a nice Valentine's Day gift or a nice birthday gift coming up, I would give it to, I wouldn't give it to a girlfriend, obviously Blue Apron would be a little rough, but give it to a family member, maybe they can get some high quality ingredients in their life. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, team, that's going to do it for this week's Page to Be podcast. Please remember to go give us a follow. Please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at CLNS Radio. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CLNS Fans. Thank you to Mike, Larry, and Nick. Thank you to Hi209 and Joshua Morse. And also thank you to Justice Mosqueda. Again, go follow his podcast, Setting the Edge. Go give it a rating, review, and a subscription as well. That's going to do it for me. Go find me on Twitter at CLNS underscore sports. Theme. Please send me more puppy pictures and please, please, please uh, give me a couple questions. And if we get enough questions, we will do a mailbag next week. But that's it for me. Enjoy your weekends.